0: I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Backroad Romance. By Howsiblick. The rating for this fic is mature. The pertinent tags for this fic include first kiss, mild angst with a happy ending. Romance. Written by Hal Zieblick. Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. Summary: Sam and Eileen snagged the last room at the only motel for miles, leaving Dean and Cass to sleep in the car. One thing leads to another. You're shitting me, Sammy. Dean groans and smacks the steering wheel with his palm. There's no room in the whole place. Sam's voice floats into the impala, high and tinny over the burner phone speakers. No vacancy, Dean. I'm sorry, I checked with them three times. No, no, it's cool. We believe you. Dean interrupts, cradling the phone between shoulder and ear so he can rub his face while steering around a bend. Cass reaches over and deftly slips the phone away, fingers pinched like he's removing a block from a Jenga tower. Did you and Eileen find accommodations? Cass asks, holding the phone out in front of him so Dean can listen in. There's a short pause, then... Yeah, yeah, we did, but guys, the room is really small, like a closet, I swear, and there's only one bed and... This time it's Cass who interrupts and you wish to engage in private romantic activities. Dean and I completely understand. They're on a straight stretch of highway, but Dean still manages to swerve clumsily into the shoulder. He hastily course-corrects and bites down the urge to snap at Cass for... For what? For talking like that? For using his deep, rough voice to say any words even vaguely related to... No, it's not Cass's fault that everything he does steadily turns Dean into more and more of a creep. Dean shakes his head firmly and tunes back into the conversation just in time to catch Sam awkwardly stumbling over his reply. Dean leans over, cutting him off with a whistle into the phone. We'll be fine, little brother. Be a gentleman. Don't hog the sheets. Girl like Eileen doesn't come around every day. He can feel the bitch face radiating through the speaker and motions at Cass to hang up. Cass frowns and gravely says, Dean would like to end the conversation. Goodbye, Sam. Before flipping the phone shut, he drops it into the cup holder. Dean makes a show of focusing on the road to avoid looking at Cass. He knows Cass is staring at him. It's just something the guy does. Sitting in the passenger seat and gazing at Dean as if the whole world isn't flashing by outside. Dean's long stopped commenting on it. Let the dude stare. He clears his throat. We'll probably have to find a logging road or something. Pull in and hole up for the night. All right. Cass replies. He opens the glove box and pulls out the local map they picked up this afternoon when they rolled into Matlock, Washington to investigate a haunted post office. It was a gray, dinky, bleak town, and the poor ghost lurking around the mail room seemed more melancholy than anything. She allowed them to dispatch her into the afterlife with very little struggle. That is, after some creative sweet-talking by Sam. Eileen had teased Sam mercilessly about it before Dean had even gotten a chance. That's how Dean knows she's the one. There was, of course, no motel in town. Sam and Eileen hit the road before Dean and Cass, because Dean insisted on getting a burger for dinner at the tiny diner on Main Street. A mistake. A mistake. Now he's staring down the barrel of a night alone with Cass, in cramped quarters on a dark back road. If they hadn't already driven all day to get to Matlock, Dean would push on until they found a motel with vacancies. But he's exhausted, and Cass is just enough human these days to actually be tired, too. There's an access road nearby, Cass says, tracing the map with his index finger. In a quarter mile left. Dean follows his directions, and sure enough, there's a bumpy logging road branching off from the highway, stretching deep into the pitch black trees. Dean pulls in about 500 feet before turning off the lights and the ignition. It's silent. The darkness is all encompassing, pressing in on Dean, so heavy it's like he can feel it on his eyelids when he blinks. He takes a slightly shaky breath. Cass is utterly still, as usual. Not a single rustle or exhale indicating his presence in the gloom. But Dean feels him there as intensely as if he'd feel a roaring bonfire. His heart thuds in his ears. Why is he freaking out? He's slept in the car with Sam a million times. But even as he thinks that, he knows, he knows, that this is different. His brain starts whirling through logistics. Who's going to take the back seat? Is Cass even going to sleep the whole night? Or will he wake up and just sit there staring at Dean for hours, inches away? Dean needs to shut off his brain. He taps the seat and says, Hey, Cass. Yes, Dean, comes the immediate response, measured and reassuring. Would you like to talk? Relaxing against the seat and slinging an arm over the backrest, Dean peers over to the passenger side. Sure. Sure. The moon's out tonight, far above the trees, and the grayscale of nighttime slowly bleeds into view as Dean's eyes adjust. He can just make out the sharp angle of Cass's nose, the slope of his chest and the outline of his hands folded in his lap. He's always so upright, so proper. Dean wonders what it would feel like to undo him. Are Sam and Eileen having sex? Dean chokes on air. Sputtering, he braces himself on the seat and coughs until his eyes stop watering. What? What? He wheezes. Why? Dude, why would you ask that? He sees Cass turn his head to regard him. Even in the dark, Dean can imagine the piercing gaze. It was unclear to me what you meant by be a gentleman. Cass lifts his hands to shape the finger quotes. I assume the two of them would take advantage of their privacy to engage in physical intimacy. Was your comment meant to discourage Sam from having sex? Dean throws up his hands desperately. Okay, okay, first of all, quit talking about my brother doing it. And second, no, I wasn't discouraging him, just reminding him to treat Eileen like a lady. You know, romance her a little. The darkness is a godsend, as Dean's cheeks flush hotter with every word. He's surprised they're not glowing. He taps the seat in a random pattern as Cass sits quietly, seemingly digesting the information. When he responds, it's slow and thoughtful. In the pornography I've watched, the participants always begin addressing one another rather quickly and in my own experiences, there has been very little what I would label romantic. What is classified as romance, Dean? Well, shit. The last of Dean's composure evaporates, sizzles away like a drop of water meeting his burning face. He drops his head into his hands and groans. Cass leans forward, his knee brushing Dean's. Have I made you uncomfortable? He asks, voice laden with concern. Dean's throat is tight, his fingers sweaty against his forehead. He forces himself to take a deep breath and to at least open his eyes against the shadow of his palms. Uh, no. No, Cass. You, uh... You should be able to ask that kind of stuff. Human stuff. I get it. It's, uh, important to know. For, you know, so you can... There's a hand on his knee, a warm, strong hand, long fingers, weighty. Dean's heart kicks into overdrive. He slowly, very slowly, lowers his hands to peek at Cass. How do you like to be romanced, Dean? There's nothing. Absolutely nothing in Dean's brain. It's a chamber of silence, a void. He stares at the outline of Cass's wild hair, mouth slightly open. Dean. The hand on his knee shifts slightly, and Dean's blank brain runs zero interference as his hand darts out and stills the one threatening to leave his leg. As soon as his skin makes contact with Cass's, though, everything zings back online in a rushing roar. Play it off, Winchester. Crack a joke. Come on. Ha, funny, buddy, you really got me there. Kissing's nice. He snaps his mouth shut too late. The words float away, unrecoverable. Cass tilts his head, then slowly, very slowly, as if he's afraid of spooking Dean, he turns his hand around under Dean's so they're palm to palm, an invitation. With a pounding heart, Dean accepts it. He laces their fingers together. His palm feels even sweatier when it's rubbing against Cass's dry, smooth skin. Sexy, Dean. Way to go. Somehow, even though it was Cass asking the questions, he's the one leading now, shifting closer, laying his left arm along the backrest behind Dean's shoulders. Their faces are so close that they're sharing air just two shadows suspended in a frozen moment. May I kiss you, Cass murmurs gently, his breath washing over Dean's lips. It smells like rain-refreshed air, like a promise of sunshine, alleviating the weight of the darkness. Dean tentatively chases it with his tongue, wetting his lips and leaving them parted. Yeah, he whispers back. Because fuck, he wants this. He's wanted this for so long. And Cass wants it too. Dean's always imagined that his first kiss with Cass would be an inferno fireworks, showering, sparks, all those cliches. That it would yank him from his body and send him floating through the ether. It's not like any of that. It's better, it's real. Cass's lips are just lips, a little more chapped than Dean's used to, perhaps, but they meet his in a familiar brush, followed by the typical tentative press, leading into a hesitant swipe of the tongue. He's kissing Cass. Cass, who he's built up in his head for so long as this untouchable, impossible ideal, who stormed hell to drag him out, who smote demons with his bare hands who is so inconceivably old that Dean should just be a speck of sand under his eternal gaze. Instead, that same Cass is busy dragging his fingers down the side of Dean's neck. A crest of goosebumps follow, shivers trailing down Dean's torso, and he gasps a quivery breath against Cass's lips. He's not used to being led. Normally, he's the one in charge, giving as good as he gets, focusing on hitting the highlights, satisfying his partner. There's a whole formula. He's never trembled like this before. Dean. Cass whispers against his mouth, reverent, his voice somehow gravelly even as a breath. He suddenly pulls his hands free from Dean's and grips his bicep, dropping his other arm from the backrest to wrap around Dean's waist. Without preamble, he twists, tugging dean across his lap dean yelps and hurriedly adjusts his legs ending up with his knees on the seat straddling cass's thighs his fingers and toes are zinging in excitement god damn who knew being manhandled would do it for him the crown of his head presses against the roof of the car and he slouches forward until their foreheads are touching he pushes his hands into cass's hair Cass surges forward again, nudging Dean's head to the side and pressing his lips to Dean's neck. Dean groans, low and shaky, as Cass parts his lips and sucks a trail up to Dean's earlobe, his tongue soothing in the wake of his mouth, dragging over every mark he coaxes to the surface. Dean knows his neck will be littered with bruises tomorrow, but he can't bring himself to care, not when Cass's teeth are busy grazing the shell of his ear. Jeez, Cass. He breathes, dropping his forehead to Cass's shoulder. He's hard already, hips twitching a little, but he keeps his hands firmly in Cass's hair, tugging the soft, thick strands, guiding Cass's mouth back down to his neck. His pulse hammers under each press of chapped lips. He pulls back and captures Cass's mouth again, sliding his tongue into that wet heat. They trade open mouthed kisses, a bit sloppy while Cass's hands glide up Dean's back under his flannel. Dean's absolutely flying, his pounding heart easily winning the battle against the tiny voice in his head dredging up reasons to stop, reasons to run. He wants to stay. Their kisses have escalated to a panting, frenzied give-and-take, and Dean's tired of hunching over. He drops his hands onto Cass's shoulders and starts leaning back over to the driver's seat, trying to pull Cass on top of him. Cass whines when their lips separate, but he catches on quickly, a little too quickly. He grips Dean's waist and shifts him along the bench seat with such force that Dean's arm goes flying and his elbow smacks right into the middle of the steering wheel. The horn blares, rending the night. Both Dean and Cass jerk upright. Instantly on high alert. Reality takes a moment to catch up with them. Cass recovers first. That startled me, he says, voice wrecked. Dean lets out a long breath. He's still got one leg up on the seat, the other cramped awkwardly next to the steering wheel. He drags a hand across his face and lets out a breathy laugh. The next thing he knows, he's doubled over, laughing so hard his cheeks hurt and his eyes water. He's just so goddamn happy. Cass watches him, head tilted in the shadows. Dean lets his laughter run its course, petering out with a sigh of mirth and a hand slapped on Cass's knee. What a night, huh? he says. Cass lifts a hand and strokes Dean's cheek with his knuckles. Even after all that making out, this one gesture seems inordinately intimate. But Dean just smiles. Cass swipes his thumb over Dean's cheekbone one more time before slowly, almost reluctantly, letting his hand fall. You need to sleep. Dean nods and glances into the back seat. You do too, don't you? At least a little bit. Maybe we can both fit back there. They get out of the car. The cool night air rushes into Dean's lungs and fizzes through his chest. Bringing the events of the past half hour into blood rich focus in his brain. He steels himself for the freak out, for the doubt and the deflection, but it doesn't come. He feels right. They crawl into the back seat, awkwardly shuffling and shifting, ending up with Cass sitting mostly upright, insisting that he's fine, and Dean laid out on the seat with his head in Cass's lap. He drops off to sleep faster than he has in a long time, Cass' long fingers carding through his hair. It's the light that wakes him, pale gray seeping under his lashes and rousing him from a blissfully dreamless sleep. He lifts his head and immediately winces, his neck as stiff as a board and his back aches all the way down to his tailbone. He's really getting too old to be sleeping in the car. Hello, Dean. Dean twists around and peers blearily up at Cass, who's gazing down at him with one of his rare enigmatic smiles. Dean yawns and stretches as best he can, his back popping. He pushes himself up until he's sitting next to Cass. Morning, sunshine. Cass leans over and before Dean can react, presses a warm, dry kiss to Dean's cheek. Sore body or not, this is the best morning of Dean's life. They extract themselves from the back seat and stumble into the damp early morning air. Dean pops the collar of his flannel after a single glance into the side mirror. He's got a lot of hickeys. They take a second to stretch. Dean admires the way Cass's pecs shift under his dress shirt as he reaches for the sky, before sliding into the front seat. Dean backs them out of the logging road, the verdant green pines on either side nearly overwhelming his night-accustomed eyes. Cass calls Sam as they roar down the highway again. It's only 5 a.m., but Dean handed Cass the phone and told him to give Sam a wake-up call. The kid deserves it after a good night's sleep in a real bed. They pull into the parking lot of the Cedar Crest Motel just past 5.30. Dean ends up having to park on the street, though, because the lot's at capacity, not a single spot unoccupied. He pats Baby in apology as he leaves her, and he and Cass make their way to the room number that a very irritated, cranky Sam snapped at them over the phone. They've almost reached it when Dean suddenly stops dead. He grabs Cass's arm. Cass shoots him a questioning glance. Look, Dean points up at the motel sign. There, huge red letters, blinking through the pale morning light, spell out a clear vacancy. It's hardly been six hours, Dean says. No one would have checked out in the middle of the night. Suspicion rising rapidly, he strides to Sam's door and knocks as obnoxiously as he can. As soon as the door creaks open, he reaches through and grabs Sam's shirt, yanking him outside. Sam protests and slaps at Dean with one hand, shoving his bird's nest hair out of his face with the other. What the hell, Dean? Dean just throws up one arm at the sign, staring at Sam with raised eyebrows. As soon as Sam sees what he's pointing at, he shrinks into what Dean immediately recognizes as guilty little brother posture. He's not even trying to hide it. Sam clears his throat awkwardly, eyes darting between Dean and Cass, before holding out a placating hand. I just I just thought maybe you could use some time alone, he explains hastily, backing up a bit into the room. If we all ended up here, Dean, you'd just insist that we share. You know you would. Dean knows Sam's right. He's careful with their fake money, so sue him. But he ends up glaring regardless. I just wanted some time with Eileen. Sam mumbles, deflating a bit. And I thought, you know, with how you and Cass have been acting lately, that you'd, uh, want some time together too. Dean sputters. Acting? Wait, what? Thank you, Sam. Cass says, deep voice cutting off Dean's protests. We had a very pleasant night. Sam's eyes widen and he straightens up, a knowing grin stretching over his face. His eyes dart to Dean's popped collar. Oh, yeah? Did you now? Dean shoves him into the room and slams the door shut. There. He turns to Cass, who looks amused. Give me at least a couple of days before blabbing to my brother, Dean says, but he finds himself smiling. Cass nods. He reaches out and takes Dean's hand, just for a moment, squeezing before letting it fall again. Of course, Dean. The end. Thank you so much for listening.